0: Please open your Bibles to Esther chapter 9. We're going to look at the end of chapter 9 and chapter 10 this morning, which is only three verses. In the Pew Bible, if you have the black one, that's page 386. No, 387. 387 in the black one. The blue one, it's 415, page 415. Esther chapters 9 and 10. My name again is Brett Sweet. I'm one of the pastors here at GCF where we exist to glorify God. That's why we're here. We do that through gospel-centered worship, evangelism, discipleship, and community. We are just finishing a series through the book of Esther. This is the last one titled Silent Providence, Certain Deliverance. In the previous sermons, we've seen in the, in the rest of the book, we've seen the deliverance come. And now we're kind of reviewing it. So please pray with me that we would, we would learn from God who spoke This word to us. Lord, help us this morning. Help us to learn from you. Help us to relate to you. Help us to listen as your children whom you love. Point us from this text to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who said that this whole Bible is about him. So we pray that we would Lord, be clear on how he relates to us in light of this text. We pray that anybody who doesn't know you would be transformed, and we pray that you would do supernatural, unexplainable things this morning. You would humble proud people. That you would convict the blind of their sin. You would raise the dead to life. In Jesus' name, amen. In Scotland, there's this lady, Nancy. She was being cared for because she had Alzheimer's by her son, daughter in law, grandchildren, and they actually bought a new house so they could especially take care of Nancy. And the reason why is because of her Alzheimer's, she really couldn't remember anything. Because she couldn't remember anything, her life, she made life for herself and others really miserable. She, would, she couldn't remember who her husband was. So when she'd wake up next to a stranger, she would often attack or be afraid. She couldn't remember who her grandchildren would, were. So she would start screaming at them profanity and sometimes attack them physically. She wouldn't, couldn't remember how to use the bathroom. So she would go just wherever she wanted in the house. She would look in the mirror and she couldn't remember who she was. So she would be terrified at what she saw looking back at her. All this misery because she couldn't remember things. Some of us have lived with people like that. Well, because of people like Nancy, there's all kinds of efforts made now to try to reverse Memory loss, to try to stop the slow of the, the spread of Alzheimer's and dementia, and they're making some, some good progress. One of the things I read about this week is they actually have created this implant, like a surgical implant, like a prosthetic, to help people remember what it, it does actually is help write your, your own memories' code onto your existing memories, like a computer program, so that it's harder to lose your memories. And there's big money in it. Because people know if we can remember things, we'll actually be happier. Our lives will be better. Remembering that that is your spouse. That's the one you love. Remembering that, these, that we're celebrating certain special moments that we're not here by random at this birthday party. We actually know what's going on. Remembering that your, the food in front of you isn't poison. It's actually your favorite dish. Well, see, God knows the danger of failing to remember things he knows that we will have more joyful lives that we'll be more satisfied if we can remember the things he's done for us so that's really where we're we're headed this morning so do you why are you here this morning do you sometimes think like why i never thought this why do mom and dad drag me to church why do they do that? Or do you sometimes think like, boy, it just seems like I'm just going through the motions. I know as a Christian, I'm supposed to pray and I'm supposed to read my Bible and show up at church, I guess. But, but why? why? Why do those things? Well, it's because we're gonna actually see a reason why and that's because remembering helps us. And so the main theme here that we're trying to remember from this end of Esther is that we're to remember God's deliverance. There's one thing that we need to remember, maybe above all else, and that's to remember God's deliverance. So we've seen in the the book of Esther that certain deliverance has come to pass. And now we we turn to uh, Esther chapters 9 and 10, and the years have gone by. And whoever is writing down these last chapters of Esther is saying, like, let me explain some things to you You celebrate this holiday now, Jews, called Parim. You celebrate it. Maybe you want to know why. Maybe you want to know why the people in the city might celebrate it on a different day than the people in the country. You want to know why you celebrate this? It's not written in the law of Moses like those other feasts, celebrations. Let me tell you why. Let me rehearse it. And the reason is to remember God's deliverance. And as we try to remember God's deliverance by looking at Esther 9 and 10, we're going to be exposed to really three things when, we're, when we try to remember God's deliverance. One is there is an obligation to remember God's deliverance. There's an obligation to remember God's deliverance. Then, secondly, we need to remember that God's control brings deliverance. Deliverance comes by God because He's in control. And third, we need to see that God protects those he delivers. He protects those he delivers. So He delivers. So if you're, you're keeping the short notes, you might just remember three words. Obligation, control, protection. Obligation, control, protection. Let's look at the first one. The obligation to remember God's deliverance. So the Jews would gather on the 14th or 15th of their month of Adar and they would celebrate Parim. What, is that? what would they do? They would read the Esther story. That's what they do to this day. They would give to the poor. They would give to charity. They would give gifts to their neighbors. The wine would flow a little more, um, a little more freely than at other celebrations. But, but why are they celebrating at all? Let's look at verses 20 through 22 and see that they're also obligated to do these things. Verses 20 through 22 of Esther chapter 9. And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obligating them to keep the 14th day of the month of Adar and also the 15th day of the same, year by year. As the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the month they had turned from them, from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days of sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews are obligated to keep this day of Parim, the same day of the month, every year. Every year, the same day. Why that day? Because that was the day the Jews got relief. That was the day God saved them from their enemies. So why are we celebrating this day? Because we're remembering God's deliverance, what He's done to us. Why do we celebrate on the 14th or the 15th? Well, that's because in the 14th, everything was done in the countryside. In the 15th, it extended a little bit. They're, they're needed, it needed an extra day, so they celebrate on a different day. That's why. But the long and short of it is, the reason why they're celebrating Parham, the reason why they're remembering God's deliverance is because there's an obligation. To remember. We see that in verse 20, 21. They were obliged to do that. Verse 27 later on. God ob- they obligated themselves. Again, verse 31. They obligated themselves. There's an obligation to remember. To remember God's deliverance. Maybe you're here and you're wondering. <laughs> I mean, you're thinking like, well, we're not Jewish, Pastor Brett. I don't know if you know that. We're not Jewish. So why are we spending all this time rehearsing the story from the past? Why? why we, we don't even celebrate Parham, which is true. We don't have to. The book of Romans says that some people can esteem one day and some people can esteem another. We have the freedom to not celebrate it. So we don't. But it is interesting to think, before we're a little arrogant and think that maybe we know better than the Jews that celebrate Parm, that we should remember that there's one people of God. There's one people of God. There's this, this tree, this olive tree we're shown in Romans 11, and Christians are grafted into that tree. That, so when the apostles and, and Jesus himself are writing, composing, in a sense, the New Testament, they don't think they're starting something new. They're continuing this story of God's deliverance. It's a continuation. So their stories become our stories. And we need to remember our roots. The, these are our roots, we're kind of the branches. As Romans eleven eight 8 says, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember. It is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. So how did we get grafted in to this one tree? How did we get grafted into this one people? How did that happen? What did we do? Well, we need to remember that before that, we were separated from this group of people. We need to remember, there's an obligation for us to remember something else. Listen to Ephesians 2.11. Therefore, remember of Christ. So we're called to remember that we were not part of this Jewish people. But we've been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. We might think about Jesus. Jesus was the perfect Jew. He was the perfect man. He followed all these things. He celebrated Parham, no doubt. And we might be tempted to think, oh, like, I wonder what it was like in Jesus' life as we try to remember God's deliverance. Jesus' life is very important. It's too often neglected by Christians, how important Jesus' perfect life is. But at the same time, there's something significant that God wants us to most pay attention to when we remember God's deliverance as Christians, when we remember Jesus. And that's the place where God's glory is most shown, at the cross. That's why when we think about this obligation to remember, we read in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, Now, I would remind you, it's like we need to remember. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the, with the scriptures. So the Jews are obligated to remember God's deliverance. On Parm, they're obligated to remember that Mordecai and Esther worked uh, through God's providence to bring deliverance to these Jewish people. And Christians, we're now obligated by these commands to remember God's deliverance that comes to us through Jesus. And if it's commanded, then it's a sin to disobey. It's a sin to forget. Many of us, when uh, I see this with children sometimes, they're commanded to do something and they think in excuses, well, I just forgot. Well, that's disobeying. It's not an excuse. So the same can go for us. It's a sin to disobey. So do you remember this morning? Do you remember? You're obligated to remember God's deliverance. Now, if you aren't a Christian, there's something amazing that's open to you this morning. There is the opportunity to be saved from your sins and the consequences of your sins. You're able to say with the Apostle Paul who I just read from 1 Corinthians 15 to say that Christ died for our sins. You can actually make it yours, yours and mine. As long as you keep him at arm's length, you can't honestly say that, that he died for your sins. You don't believe that. But this morning, that's open to you. You can turn from your sins and trust in Jesus this morning. And then remember this day of deliverance over and over again in your, in your lives and you'll spend the rest of your life remembering the great day of God's deliverance that comes through Jesus Christ. If you don't, you'll remain a stranger to him. So I, I plead with you, do that this morning. So we're called to remember God's deliverance. That's what we're after. We're trying to remember things. And the first thing is we see there's an obligation to remember. Now let's look at the second part of remembering God's deliverance. Remember that God's control brings deliverance. Remember that God's control brings deliverance. Look at verses 23 through 32 with me, a long section. So the Jews accepted that they, what they had started to do and what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast purr, that is, cast lots, to crush and to destroy them. But when it came before the king, he gave orders in writing that his evil plan, that's Haman's, that he had devised against the Jews, should return on his own head, and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore, they called these days parim, after the term Pur. Therefore, because of all that was written in this letter, and of what they had faced in this matter, and of what had happened to them, the Jews firmly obligated themselves, there it is again, and their offspring... And all who join them, that without fail, they would keep these two days according to what is written and at the time appointed every year. And these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, in every clan, province, and city, and that these days of Parham should never fall into disuse among the Jews, nor should the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants. Verse 29, then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, and Mordecai, the Jew, gave full written authority. Confirming the second letter about Parham. Letters were sent to all the Jews, to the 127 provinces of the, king of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, in words of peace and truth. That these days of Parham should be observed at the appointed seasons, as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther obligated them, and as they had obligated themselves and their offspring with regard to their fasts and their lamenting. The command of Queen Esther confirmed these pra- practices of Parham, and it was recorded in writing. One of the main themes of this book of Esther is this idea of writing, of the written law. And they're showing how important it is here. Do you see how important it is? We need to write these things down so we can remember. And, and the, this law really is what the people wanted. They were celebrating and they said, you know what, it makes sense for us to apply this to everyone forever, coming generations. But what are we remembering what are we remembering? Why is it called what it's called? Why, it, why does it sound the way it sounds? Well, it's because the name of this holiday is because that we, on this day, Haman cast lots to destroy Jews. But instead, that was the day we were victorious. And who controls the lots? Who controls the dice that are rolled? Well, God does. And and don't you remember, Haman had this plan. He set into motion this huge plan to destroy all of God's people. But do you remember? God was in control. He turned everything on. He turned it back on Haman so that God's people were victorious. And I want this to be written down. I want you to remember that God was in in control of all of this. It worked for your good. It, It brought about his deliverance in the Jewish people. And I want you... To pass this on to your children and your grandchildren and other generations so they remember parents are you doing that do you teach your kids to remember these sorts of things that God's deliverance comes to God's people I know a lot of you are God's deliverance doesn't come by chance or in some sort of impersonal fate, it comes because God is in control. It's God's control that brings deliverance. Now think about that. Now you didn't ask. You didn't ask God to create the universe. He did it. He was in control of that. Now you didn't ask God, remember, you didn't ask him to, I don't know, choose you before the foundation of the world which the Bible says he does. Remember, you didn't ask God to send Jesus to earth to die for your sins. He did that long before you were born. Remember, you didn't ask God to create you. Created without your request. Remember, you didn't ask God to send, most of us, I think all of us, if we're really honest, a gospel share into our lives. Mom or dad took us to church, or there was something inside us that said, "Man, I need to go check that out." Or remember, I, I, I don't know why, but I went. I, I that this guy just came up to me, or my friend started sharing with me. All that was in God's control, so we need to remember that it's God who saves us by grace, and so He gets all the glory. We have to remember that it's God's control that brings deliverance. And that makes sense, doesn't it? If there was like one little molecule out of whack, how do we know it wouldn't start a chain reaction that meant God couldn't deliver us? How do we know that? It's like the, what is it? The, the death star. Well, there's just that little pipe that Luke Skywalker shoots and the whole thing blows up. How do we know there's not something like that in God's universe because God is in control. So we can be confident that God is going to deliver his people and that he will. So we have this obligation to remember God's deliverance. We need to remember that God's control brings deliverance. And then last, we need to remember that God protects those he delivers. God protects those he delivers. So at the beginning of this book of Esther, we hear about this King Ahasuerus, King Xerxes. And he's super powerful. He's, one of the most, he's basically the most powerful man in the world. And he he rules from Ethiopia to India. He has all this riches and wealth and all these people around him. And Mordecai is a nobody. Mordecai is just a Jewish citizen. But now let's look at how things, some things have stayed the same and some things have changed. These last three verses, chapter 10, verses one and three. King Ahasuerus imposed tax on the land and on the coastlands of the sea. And all the acts of his power and might and the full account of the high honor of Mordecai to which the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai, the Jew, was second in rank to King Ahasuerus. And he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers. For he sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all his people. So the king remains really, really powerful. But look how he uses the power. He uses it to tax everyone, to take the hard-earned income of others, use it for his own goals or desires. I'm not saying all taxes are or theft. Or, but that's how he uses his power. But look at how Mordecai uses his power for the welfare of the people, to bring them peace, to protect people, as he did in the previous chapters. God will always protect his people. Mordecai was God's means of protecting his people. God protects those he delivers. And that's what the Parham story is telling. So as people would celebrate this and they're remembering God's deliverance, what they're remembering is God raised up this guy Mordecai to protect us. And then Mordecai lived on after these events and he continued to seek our welfare. He continued to make things uh, safe for us here. No matter how much power evil people had, even this king, God's people were protected. And so as people would celebrate Parham, they would think, we have hope. If he protected us then, he can protect us in the future. There's always hope. There will always be some measure, and we we see this the same thing now as Christians. There will always be faithful Christians. Always. They might ebb and flow in certain times, certain times and certain places in history and in the world, but there will always be God's people protected. That doesn't mean individuals will be always healthy, wealthy, and wise, but God's church will always be protected because God protects those he delivers. Listen to how Jesus says that. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Never. God protects those he delivers. Always. Always protects his, his people. So now sometimes I would think though, let's get down and to the real nitty-gritty, dirty aspect of this. Jesus celebrated Parham. And when Jesus' family was celebrating Parham, do you know what happened? The Persian Empire was gone, insignificant. But the Romans were there. And the Romans ruled over Jesus' family. And the Romans were not really great rulers. They were really harsh. And you can imagine on Purim as, as maybe little Jesus and then adult Jesus is growing up and, and his family's sitting there celebrating. They're reading the Esther story and they're recounting these laws, this obligation to keep the law. And they're thinking, God, you sent Mordecai to protect your people. Where's our protection now? Where is our protector? We can't see him. He, we have no authority. But there's Jesus in the room with them not knowing that he's going to be their protector. He's going to protect them by dying for them, to save them, to build a church, to build a a people that can survive mass persecutions, that can survive for 2,000 years and grow, even among the poor or the ignored or the powerless. And when we think about that, Then we think, oh man, it was great to have Mordecai, number two, by the king Ahasuerus. That's why he could protect the Jews. But Jesus is king, and he's in heaven. He rules over the whole universe. He will protect his people. He can be trusted. He did it in the past. He can do it in the future. When I was growing up, this, this guy's actually my age. His name's Frankie Moon. Munez, he was a child actor. He was in this show called Malcolm in the Middle. Well, Frankie Munez has had numerous concussions, car crashes, strokes, actually, as well, to the point where he can't really remember a lot of his past. So people come up to him on the street and they say, You're Malcolm! You're Malcolm from Malcolm in the Middle. And he's like, Yeah, I am. But that's all it is for him. He doesn't remember any episodes He doesn't remember the movies he made with Disney during that stretch. It's just like a fact of history. He knows it must have been there because he could watch it on TV, but he has no recollection. So now remember, now imagine for a second that Malcolm in the middle, the cast and the crew, they decide, we're going to have this great reunion. We're going to have a reunion show. We're going to gather together. We're going to celebrate. We're going to go out to dinner, have a nice dinner and Frankie shows up because he gets the invitation and everybody there is celebrating hey do you remember this episode where we went on this location all these things and they're like yeah oh that was great and Malcolm or Frankie whatever you want to call him is like hmm see part of him is missing part of his identity really is gone because he's forgotten he can't remember it remembering Who we are is crucial to our identity. And that's one of the main reasons why we have to remember God's deliverance. That helps us remember who we are. Remember what our identity is. That we're not just this person who happens to be in Spokane, Washington in June of 2021. That we're not just an employee or not just a mom We're not just an addict or not just a sinner. We're people who God has delivered. God's delivered us, but we have to remember that. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important to be together, to remind one another of our identities. Our most essential identity is that we're Christians who have been delivered by God through Jesus Christ. So race, hobbies, backgrounds, those things all matter. But not ultimately. That's not the most important thing. Your identity, first and foremost, is in Jesus Christ. We need to learn from one another, but we need to emphasize the main thing, that we're we're one of God's people and he protects those he delivers. And that's gonna bring us joy. So now you think about it, that's also why, another reason why the local church is important. So every parum, they're they're celebrating, they're remembering God's deliverance. They're remembering, oh, what God did back then, Persia through Mordecai and Esther. And so kids might say, hey, why do we celebrate this? Well, we're remembering God's deliverance. Why do we celebrate this? So now if someone comes up to you on the street and says, no, wait a second, you're going to church on Sunday? When you could be fishing, or playing golf, or camping, or just sleeping in. Why do you do that? One of the reasons? Because we want to remember God's deliverance. We do that together. So the local church is really important. Really important. And so it also means that the essence of church is not to be really innovative, it's not really to have like awesome movies, movie clips, or, like the greatest music ever. Excellence matters. It's not necessarily wrong to show a movie clip. It's not necessarily anything wrong. But the main thing is to remember, to remember who you are, remember God's deliverance. And that's a huge temptation for pastors to forget. To think like, oh, i got to come up with something new this week. I've got I to be super creative. I've got to be really funny. I've got to look really smart. But really all I need to do is help you remember. You're like, why are we paying you? But that's all we're doing. Helping one another remember. To remember God's deliverance. Now Why? Because if we think back, again, if we imagine amnesia or strokes or Alzheimer's or whatever, imagine the rejoicing that happens when you remember, when you finally, it clicks, when you see the face and then all of a sudden you're like, yes, I know that person. We've been there. I mean, would you, would you rejoice? Would you rejoice if you all your debts were just wiped away. Well, remember, Jesus paid for your debts to God. They've been paid for. Then He credits basically a fortune to your account. Eternal life. So if we remember that, we're going to rejoice. Remember, wouldn't you rejoice if you thought the powerful people really cared? for me. If if they cared for me, then I would rejoice. But remember, Jesus is king of the universe, and he loves you so much, he laid down his life for you. If you remember that, you're going to rejoice. Wouldn't you rejoice if you just knew you were loved? If you knew somebody out there loved you? Seems like everybody's rejected you. But if you, when you remember God's deliverance, you remember what Jesus has come and done for you, you recognize that he's loved you when you were unlovable, really. And that still didn't drive him away. He loves you so much, he's willing to do that for you. Would you rejoice if you just had a group of people you could belong to? If you just weren't alone in this world? Well, remember that when God delivers you, he delivers you into a people. So you now have friends. You actually have family, the Bible says, when you're in a church. Do you remember that? Would that lead to rejoicing? Would you you rejoice if you were just reconciled to that one important person, that relationship that's been broken? Doesn't seem to matter how much you try, it doesn't get better. But when you remember that you've been reconciled to the God of the universe, the most important person who matters, you'll rejoice. Singles, would you rejoice if you just got a little more attention maybe from that sort of person? But remember that God knows everything about you. He's with you wherever you go. He's always attentive to your needs. He's paying attention to you. He can do that because He knows everything and He's all powerful. He's everywhere present. Would you rejoice if you knew that the things you do as a worker, as a parent, as a citizen, made a difference, well, remember that when Jesus saves people, when God delivers people, he saves them into an eternal life where they're rewarded for their good deeds, even the ones that maybe nobody saw, where it says their good deeds follow them. So the things you do when you're working on your homework or when you're picking up that piece of litter on the street or whatever they follow you wouldn't that be nice to know that that's true wouldn't you rejoice if you could remember that wouldn't it be nice wouldn't you rejoice if you just thought everything in my life feels like it depends on me i've got to work i've got to pay the bills I've got to make sure that repair is done. I've got to uh, solve this problem for this person. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't you rejoice if there's just something important that somebody else did for you? Well, remember, God delivers you. He did it for you. You're free. That's the the most important thing in your life has been dealt with. It's not on your, your back as a burden anymore. When we see that's why God wants us to remember, because remembering leads to rejoicing. So I mentioned earlier this idea of this surgical implant. Don't know how excited any of you are about people cutting in your brain and putting stuff in there. But in many ways, that's what the Holy Spirit is. He comes, he's implanted into Christians. And one of his primary jobs is to help you remember. That's what he does. That's why he drives you to the Bible to read. want to hear these stories. That's why he motivates you to go to church, to hear things reminded of you. That's why he calls you to be with other Christians so they can help you remember. Holy Spirit is your memory implant that's helping you. So all that because we are meant to be like the people who celebrated Purim. We're meant to remember God's deliverance. Ultimately, so that we rejoice, celebrate God who's done all the work. So let's pray and give him thanks. Lord, thank you for your deliverance of us. We're thankful that it comes through Jesus Christ and not from our own good works, not from our family backgrounds, not from our careers, not from our intelligence, not from our education, not from the country we live in, But Lord, all of this deliverance has come through Jesus Christ. Would you help us to remember that and rejoice in him? You help us to remember that he's laid down his life for us. Help us to remember that you're protecting your people, that you will lead us to heaven, even if it's through hardship. Thank you, Lord, for this truth. Would you give us supernatural abilities to remember things? Lord, when the emotions are high this week, when we hear scary news or anything like that, we pray, God, your Holy Spirit, would, who you've implanted into us, would help us remember. In Jesus' name, amen.